0: Welcome to Broadcast 1132. You can join us live every Sunday during our worship experience or at church1132.com. This is Wander, Wandering Worshippers Part 2. And so we're going to jump in. We read Matthew chapter 2, uh, verse 1 and 2 last week. I'm going to read it again for context. In 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 verse 1 it says this: After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, Magi or wise men from the east came to Jerusalem and they asked, where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose, and we have come to worship him. I love this because the wise men didn't come for any other purpose except to worship. They didn't come to get something. They, they didn't come to receive something. They weren't coming, can't coming so baby Jesus could lay his hands on them, they, they, which would have been a cool thing. But, you know, they came to worship. That was the motive of their search, was not to find so that they could receive, but to find so that they could worship. When we're in this series, we're talking about worship, this is really key for us is because sometimes I think we have the wrong idea of what worship is. I think that sometimes we really think that worship is for us, is that we worship so that we can receive something. But I'm going to tell you, we worship as a response to who God is. Worship is purely a, a condition of the heart that sees what God has done for us, and in gratitude, we now give worth back to God, and we declare who he is, that's really what worship is. I, I want to continue this story because this is about the search, but I want to I talk about when they found Jesus. Matthew chapter 2, I want to read verse uh, 9 through 11. It says, after they, had heard the king, king, after they had heard the king, King Herod, they went on their way. And the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. I love this. They were overjoyed. I think that's how you should come to church. I think we should come before the Lord overjoyed. Not, not, not like forced in, not like barely, you know, just pulling ourselves in. I think we should be overjoyed. Not because we're something special or something great, but we get to worship someone great. Your situation might not be great, but your God is great. Your situation might not be totally the way you want it right now, but I'm going to tell you, God's still faithful in the midst of it. So there's a reason to be overjoyed even in the midst of difficulty. It says, when they found the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and they worshipped him. I hope you can catch that because these were wise men. They were magi. They, they, they were influential. And it says, when they found the child, the baby, they bowed down and they worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. I just want you to know this, that, that worship does something to you. I, I love worship because worship it has the ability to really move or shift your perspective from whatever you're going through onto who your God is. And I'm going to tell you that most of life's joy or peace comes from perspective, not actual situations. It's how I see God in my situation. It's how I see God in what I'm walking through currently that makes a difference in how I the, the perspective that I have about my life. I'm, I'm just going to tell you, when I moved to Texas, um, I, I, I was sad in some ways because I was moving from the northwest. I was moving from Washington State and Mount Rainier, which is beautiful, and, and, and to Texas, and, and there's not many mountains here. In fact, there are no mountains here. And even the mountains that we call mountains are not mountains, okay? I, I, I was out of town uh, with somebody from our church, uh, this is years ago, and, and, and we were uh, on a trip going somewhere, and so, so we drive, and, and we kind of were up in some, maybe some hills, marginal, marginal hills, and they're like, Pastor, what do you think? And I'm like, what? They're like, we have mountains too. And I'm like, immediately grieved in my spirit, pulled the car over, laid hands on him, began to pray. Because the, the, those aren't mountains. That's not what mountains are. He's never seen real mountains. I mean, we got to get this guy an airline ticket. And we got to get him to go see what a real mountain is. Because that was not a mountain. That, that was like a, just like a mound. It was probably created by a bulldozer. And, and, and they're like, whoa, thank you. It's a mountain. It's, it's not a mountain. I'm, I'm just going to tell you, sometimes you have to see something to believe it. You know, that is like so, sometimes seeing something, it, it, it can shift your perspective. I, I remember uh, hiking on Mount Rainier, and, and I'm just going to tell you, I can tell you what a mountain is, I can tell you about this story, I can tell you uh, like, like how magnificent it is, how beautiful it is, how peaceful it is to be that high and to be on a mountain and, 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 and to be at that altitude and breathe in that air and have the silence. I mean, just like nothing. And to look as far as you can around you, to be at a summit. I mean, it's beautiful. It's just something you can't recreate. And so I can tell you about it and you can be like, well, that's great. Like, I like mountains. It is, but it's different when you see it. If, if this guy that I was traveling with went with me and saw Mount Rainier, he would never call this mound of dirt in Texas a mountain again. Because his perspective would shift. Because of what he'd seen. Now, I'm going to tell you something. The the shepherds or the wise men were on a journey to see Jesus. Their goal in seeing him was to worship. But when they got to him and they saw him, something happened. Something shifted inside of them. Something real. See, this is my thought, is, is that sometimes we say we've seen Jesus, but we've never really seen him. We, we say things in Christianese, you know in our Christian circles, like our Christian language. We, we, we say things like like, man, I just want to see God. Most of us have never seen God. But when I say see, I'm talking more of encounter. More than I am actually physically seeing. I'm talking about encountering something that is real. And most of us, we've gone to church a long time. Many of you are new. and, and, And we got people from all different backgrounds. But you know what? It doesn't matter if this is your first time in church or you've been here for years. You could have been in church or you could have been around Jesus but have never seen him. Seeing him is deeper than acknowledging he's there. Seeing is a type of encounter that shifts something in your life. We, we've been talking about worship, and, and I just want to tell you just practically a couple things that worship is not. We talked about this last week, but I think it's important to review because as we're going forward with worship, we, we've really got to define what it is not to understand what it is. And I'm just going to say this this way. Worship is not a song. I, I know when that one song comes on, we play that one song, you're like, oh, that, that's, that's, my, that's my song. I mean, it's just like, it's just worship pose right away. But, but worship's... More than a song. It's, it's, it's more than like your favorite song that comes on the radio and you have to pull the car over, tears going down your face, and you're like, oh, that's it. I can worship to that song. If we can only worship to, to a song or to a certain song, we reduced who God is to only what man can write. I'm gonna tell you, worship is deeper than a song. Worship's not a song. Worship is not a, a style. Worship's not a style. So I I go to that church because I can worship there. No, you should be able to worship anywhere because worship is not about your external surroundings. It's about the internal condition of your heart. And if the inside is right, you can worship anywhere. You can worship with no music. You can worship, worship with loud music. You can worship with soft music. You can worship with lights in your eyes. You can, you can worship with fog in the room. You can, you can worship because worship is not about my external surroundings. Worship is about the internal condition of my heart. I've actually heard people say, well, well I, can't, I can't really worship to that song. It's like, well, good thing is you're not worshiping to a song. You're worshiping a God. A song is an arrow. It is a directional sign. It is something that directs you towards him. It is your star. That leads you to. But did you know that when the, when, the, when the wise men got to Jesus, they followed the star, they did not thank the star. They worshiped the Savior. They, they, they did not be like, after, after they had traveled 900 miles, they did not be like, man, star, you're amazing. Like, you can, bow, you can bow down to the baby. I'm bowing down to the star. They knew that the star was a directional sign it was a point of reference it was moving them you know when we sing songs on a Sunday a Sunday morning that song is just a, supposed to direct your perspective to God it's supposed to help you it's supposed to be a guide it's not the end all it's like oh well worship w- w- worship is a, is just a point of contact it, it's just a directional worship is not a style worship is not a show The way we respond to God, the way we we lead people into worship, it is not a show. It is we do everything we can and everything in our power to make worship excellent, to make worship an arrow, a directional sign so that we can encounter God. That is the reason that we worship. That's the reason that we sing songs. That's how we function as a church is to try to help people step into what is true worship. But true worship is a condition of your heart. Worship is something I can do on the treadmill. Worship is something I can do in my house. Worship is something I can do I, I, I can do it at work. Worship is something I can do anywhere because it's about my heart. In, in a service like this or a gathering like this, we take special care and time to make sure that we've got songs that help direct our focus and perspective so that we can have a moment with God. But worship can happen outside of here just like it can happen inside of here. Worship is the condition of your heart. I found about the wise men, which I think this is so interesting. The wise men, they, they were not from Bethlehem. The wise men were foreigners. And I love this because the the wise men were not Jewish people. The wise men, scholars believe the wise men, and because they were not Jewish, they were actually known as Gentiles. Which means that if you understand the scripture, you understand that, that many Jews in that day believed that the gospel was only for the Jewish people. But for some reason, God arranged the stars. To make sure some Gentiles got to Bethlehem. And they were, you know what this was? This was a prophetic type and shadow of what God was doing in the earth because He said, I'm gonna make sure that I send Gentiles to worship at the feet of Jesus to make sure that everyone will know that this gospel is not just for who sees me in the city, but it's who comes to me, whoever, whosoever will, may come. And so He made sure that the wise men came. To show us that it doesn't matter if you're male or female, doesn't matter if you're Jew or Gentile, doesn't matter if you're rich or poor. Do you know the scene that's around the nativity scene? Do you know how it's set up? Set up with the wise men, Joseph and Mary, baby Jesus, the shepherds, maybe a wrongly placed donkey or sheep. I don't know how they got in the story, but you have that. Do you know what that is? Shepherds were the least. Wise men were influential. They, had, they were affluent. And so you have rich and poor gathered at the feet of Jesus. But shepherds were Jewish. So they, they didn't have money, but they had access because of who they were. So now you have those who have access and those who don't have access. You've got those who are dignified and those who are undignified. At the feet of Jesus, this wasn't just by chance. This was not just how the stars aligned. This was because God was doing something on the earth and he was trying to get something through to us that it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what you've been through. It doesn't matter your history. It doesn't matter your skin color. It doesn't matter your ethnicity. It doesn't matter what language you speak. It doesn't matter if you're man or woman. It doesn't matter if you're young or old, rich or poor. Whosoever will may come. It was seen at the nativity scene. It was seen at the manger. Years before Jesus died, God put an exclamation point on whosoever will may come. I want to talk about the, the wise men and, and a couple things that they did because this progression of worship, I think, is really the progression of encounter in our own lives. The the, the first thing is, is they're on this search. We talked about this last week that, that God showed them a sign in the star and then they searched for Jesus and, and the, their search ended up satisfying their soul. And this is really what our pursuit after God does in Jeremiah chapter 29 verse 13 it says if you look for God he will be found by you if you look for him with all your heart this is a promise God never promised that when you looked you would find in that moment he promised that if you looked you would find so there is a search that is involved in encountering God we don't know when the moment's going to happen we don't know when the finding is going to take place but our journey in life is a pursuit after everything that God is. And so the wise men, when they showed up, it says that they saw Jesus. They saw him there, I want you just to picture this because we super spiritualize everything and we think like it was some magical moment. The wise men come in on the camels. Background music's playing. They jump off the camel. They're not sore after 900 miles of riding. So they walk confidently instead of with a limp. And, and they come into a barn, but the barn's like perfectly groomed. The hay is perfect. The manger's perfect. There's nothing around. The animals are behaving. And, and it's like this epic super spiritual moment. It's probably not what happened. I would imagine the wise men are like, "That's a star. That's a barn. That's a star. That's a barn. That's a star that must be here." And they go in, and and Mary and Joseph like, we got we just think of Joseph just like, "Hello, are you the Magi from the East? Come and worship at the Messiah of the." Is Joseph, Joseph probably wasn't that? Joseph probably like insecure, like, so my wife got pregnant by an angel. I mean, he's he's still trying to process this. It's like she's still a virgin and so but she's we're having a baby we are having a baby this is weird joseph was not like super confident out there like like oh yeah the angel told me that she was getting pregnant by an angel so that's 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 normal it's not normal Right? Joseph was insecure, so here comes, here comes the wise men, and they stroll in here, and they're expecting, the Bible says that they talked to King Herod, and King Herod said, they told King Herod they were looking for the king of the Jews. Do you think when they walked into the barn, and they saw the baby, that that's what they thought the king of the Jews would be? But something happened when they saw him, that caused them to begin to worship Something happened in that moment that they were, able to t- they were able to say who they knew he would be, not what they were currently seeing him as. They saw him. The wise men saw Jesus for the w- first time. Worship is a response to seeing who God is and what he has done for us. Worship is a response to seeing who God is. Let me just tell you this. Wherever you are in your journey with God, there's more to him. There's more to him. And maybe you've been serving God all your life, but I'm just going to tell you that you need to see him for the first time again. You need to see him fresh. You need to see him like with brand new eyes because we've got to do more than just come to service. We've got to do more than just worship like in a worship service. We've got to see who he really is because worship will be a a response if we see him correctly. I think that many people just get caught up in going through the motions and we miss seeing him for who he is. If you see him, you will worship. See, If you see him, what do I mean see him? I mean encounter him. Maybe you've been walking with God for a long time but you've never really encountered him. Maybe you've been around Jesus you just never have known. Jesus. Maybe you come to church, but you've never surrendered your life to Jesus. I don't know where you are in your journey, but this is so important, is that you see him for who he is. You have a moment that you can think about where you encountered him, where you met him, where, where you had this, 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 this exchange. This is what happened with the wise men. When they saw the baby, something happened. Something happened. And this is their response. I love this. is They saw him, and then it says, and they bowed. Imagine the the scene, the baby, the animals, the mess, insecure Joseph. These wise men come in with gifts, funny hats, and They come and they see him. And when they see that baby, these wise men drop to their knees and they begin to worship. They bowed. They bowed down. The wise men ascribed authority to Jesus when they called him king. And they ascribed dignity to him when these wise, influential men bowed their knees to this baby. In this day and age and even today, bowing is a sign of reverence. You don't bow to someone that's less than you. You bow to someone that's greater than you. And so they saw something in the baby that was greater than who they were, and it caused them to bow. They saw something in Jesus that was greater than the people that they were, and so it caused them to bow in reverence. Charles Spurgeon says this, carnal eyes are blind, but these men saw the infinite in the infant, the Godhead gleaming through the manhood, the glory hiding beneath the swaddling bands. Undoubtedly, there was a spiritual splendor about this matchless child. Psalm 95, 6 says, Come let us bow down in worship. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker. Have you ever wondered why? Especially in, in older church, people would always bow down. Do you know why they bow because the Bible says bow down? This is what we've been talking about, worship. It's really interesting. You know why we sing? The Bible says the sing. You know why we shout? We've had people come to our church, like, man, this is kind of a loud church. It's like people kind of like like talk they shout. It's like, it's crazy. It's kind of like, it's like they're happy. I don't know what's happening over there. It's like, you know, it's just, it's just kind of like, I like a little bit more reverence. I like a little more dignity. Or let me put it this way. Sometimes we like a little more comfort. That's because it's, it's easier. It's easier to just be comfortable than it is to see. Do you think it was easy for these wise men to bow their knee to a baby? But they saw something in him that was greater than who they were, and so they bowed. And the reason that they worshipped was because they, they knew that he was the king. They knew that he was the coming Messiah. They knew because of prophecy. They knew because of the star. They knew that he was, even though he didn't look like it as a baby. So let me help some of you that are going through difficult situations in your life. You know what? God doesn't always look like the form that we want him to look like. But worship is worshiping who we know he is, not what our current situation looks like. Worship is deciding that I will give you praise and I will give you worship in the midst of the storm, even if you look like a baby. That's what the wise man is like. He's a baby, but we're going to worship him like a king. He's a baby, but we're going to bow our knee like he's a priest. He's a baby, but we're going to worship him like he's the Messiah. They worshiped him like who the Bible said that he was. And I'm gonna tell you if you're walking through any type of storm, you've gotta worship the God that the Bible says He is. Because sometimes it feels like God's distant, sometimes it feels like God's silent, sometimes it feels like God just can't even hear your prayers. So, in those moments, it's worshiping in faith. That he is who he says he is. We worship with faith, believing that what the Bible says about him is true. So my worship doesn't always have to look like what I want it to look like. And it never really does look like what you want it to look like. Because it's faith. The Bible says without faith it is impossible to please God. So this tells me the opposite is that when I have faith, it pleases God. Whenever you are going through a difficult time in your life and you choose to worship him for who you know he is and not what your current situation is showing him as, it's faith. And it pleases God. I've seen some people walk through some really bad times in their life and never lose their worship. Do you know what that is? Faith. And you know what? God is pleased. Some of you, I know some of your stories that are in this room, and you've never lost your worship in the midst of storms, in the midst of heartache, in the midst of pain, in the midst of lawsuits, in the midst of loss. In the, you've never lost your worship. You know what that is? That's faith. And that faith pleases God. When we worship, we don't worship because we have everything together. We don't come into worship and you look around and it's like, wow, everyone must, must be doing great except me. You ever felt like that? Coming to church and everyone's just like loving it. And you're like, wow, God must be blessing everyone else besides me. No, we do a, a worship called faith. We worship for what we know God is. We worship for what we know God's going to do. We worship not according to our current situation and current storm and current problem. We worship like the answer's already here. We believe like the provision is already here. We worship God for who we know that he is, not what my current situation is trying to tell me. It's interesting the story is it says that they saw him, they bowed down, and then they begin to give him gifts. I mean, it was like this natural progression. For us, that would be not a natural progression because we worship usually to receive. But the wise men, when they saw Jesus, they had an encounter with his baby. And when they had that encounter, they dropped to their knees in reverence, and they begin to give him gifts. In, in our church, it, it, we're, we're, we talk about money a lot. Because Jesus talked about money a lot. We're never ashamed or we pull away from talking about money because, you know, it gets hot in the room and gets real quiet whenever you talk about money. We, we don't give to get in this church. We give to give. We get to give. We are blessed. That's why we're blessing children in Oak Cliff. That's why we're sending mission teams all over the world. That's why we're expanding in campuses across the metroplex. That's why we have a vision like we do is because the, 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 this, is, this thing is bigger than us. This is is what we really believe, is is, is that it, it is bigger than who we are. But our generosity is not something like we give out of obligation. We give because God gave to us. That's what we do as a community is we are blessed. We're blessed by God. We're blessed to be his children. And I'm not just talking about financial provision. It's like, well, I got a lot of money, so I can give. No, I'm talking about he saved me, he healed me. He he chose me when no one else chose me. He turned my life around. He brought breakthrough in my heart and my life. He set me free from addiction and pain. I'm talking about he did something in me willingly. So when I see him for who he is, I naturally bow. And most people think that bowing is just a condition of of our physical body bowing. But I'm going to tell you what worship is. Worship is bowing your heart. Every time you come into worship, you should bow. Not get down on your knees, but your heart should bow. Recognizing, God, you're greater than I am. You're bigger than I am. You know, we, we got this problem in America where we actually sometimes think that we know better than God. We would never say that. We post it. Because we're freaking out about things he already talked about. We're, free, we're, we're freaking out like, no, no, like, like the church is... Church is over, man. It's history. Like, there's this compromise in the church. Like, we, oh my gosh, this is, oh, this is terrible. Church is going backwards. Churches are closing down. The Bible says the kingdom of God is advancing, and, and the gates of hell cannot prevail. It, the Bible says that, 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 that the church of Jesus Christ that He's coming back for is a church without spot or wrinkle. It, it, Jesus is Jesus, he's in control, he, he's, he's doing all right. But when we come into worship, we bow our hearts. We bow our minds. We bow our agenda. We bow our dreams. We bow our ambitions to him. And then naturally, we give. We give. I want you to see this. I was studying this week, and I was getting fired up in my office looking at this because it's so amazing. It says that they brought him the gifts that we know. They're famous. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Let me just break down these gifts for you as we begin to close. Gold was a common gift given to kings. Gold was a gift that you gave to kings. Now, you got to understand about the three wise men or however many wise men there were. When they came to worship Jesus, they came based on prophetic, uh, prophetic words that had been given in the past. Ancient promises. So what the Messiah was going to be, they only knew because of ancient writings or rumors or stories. And so when they came, they just happened to bring a gift for a king? But in Micah chapter 5, verse 2, it says, But you, Bethlehem, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be the ruler, another translation says, the king over Israel. They had heard prophecies that the Messiah would be a king, and so they brought gold. Frankincense was a gift you gave to priests. You never gave frankincense to a king. You gave frankincense... To a priest. So they brought frankincense. It's interesting. How did they know to bring frankincense? The Bible says in Zechariah chapter 6, it is he who will build the temple of the Lord and he will be clothed with majesty and will sit and rule on his throne. And he will be a priest on his throne. The New Testament talks all about Jesus being a priest. But in the Old Testament, in the the Old Prophets, they wrote about that there would be a king that would come and there would be a priest that would come. And the third gift is myrrh. What's interesting about myrrh is myrrh is for burial. It was a burial perfume. And so when they came to worship Jesus, they gave him gifts that said, you're a king, you're a priest, and you're going to die. At the moment of his birth, they were preparing for his death because Jesus' purpose on this earth was not to live. He came to die. His purpose was to lay his life down. The Bible says nobody can take his life from him. He laid it down of his own accord. He came to be our sacrifice. He came to lay his life down for you and for me. The Bible says without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. So there has to be some type of sacrifice. And for years, people offered up sacrifices to God through a priest. But Jesus became that priest. The Bible says he is the high priest who became the sacrifice once and for all. He offered himself to God on our behalf. This is what a priest would do. A priest would never bring God's word to the people. The priest would bring the people to God. He would bring the sacrifice to God as intervention for the people. Prophets always spoke from God to the people. Priests always presented the people to God. And so Jesus came, not as another one declaring. He came as the fulfillment of every declaration and every prophecy. And he said, I am the priest that will present me and you to God. I am the sacrifice. So when the wise men gave the gifts, they brought gold, and they brought frankincense, and they brought myrrh. They said, you are king, and we know he's king of kings and lord of lords. You are priest, and we know he's the high priest in the order of Melchizedek, and you are a sacrifice. Isaiah 53 says that he, he was killed for our transgressions. It says he was the sacrifice. It says that he laid his life down for us. The wise men knew something that we didn't know. There was a prophetic act by their gifts saying what Jesus would be. It was a prophetic act saying that Jesus would not just be a man. He would not just be a teacher. He would not just be a prophet. He came as a king. He came as a priest. And he came to die. So that you and I can have life. I'm going to tell you that the nativity has to come alive. Christmas, this Christmas season, this, all the lights, the decorations, and the season, it's got to just unfold for you, for you. For you to be able to see that the wise men came to worship. And their worship looked like this. They saw him. They bowed to him. And they gave to him. Isaiah chapter 53, verse 12, it says, Therefore I will give him a portion among the great, and he will divide the spoils with the strong, because he poured out his life unto death and was numbered with the transgressors, for he bore the sin of many, and he made intercession for the transgressors. Giving is an act of worship. Jesus gave his life. He gave His life. He laid it down. Many of you know this, but I want you to know that your worship is not something that we do to get something or so that we can get to the Word or we can get on with the service. Worship is a response to that gift. Worship is a response to that life. Worship is a response to that baby that said, I came not to live. I came to die I came on purpose for a purpose to lay down my life as a sacrifice for many so that every one of us would have the opportunity to say yes to Jesus and I want you to know that God wants to take your worship to another level God wants to take your life with Jesus to another level because it's not just something we do but there is a relationship there is an encounter there is a moment that God wants to have with you that will alter your destiny forever when you see him for who He really is, worship becomes natural. This is what I want to say as we close. For years I thought that, like, I just had to choose to worship. I had to choose to live right. Don't sin, don't go there, don't do this. But I'm going to tell you a lot of those do's and don'ts become really legalistic. Well, pastor, you not believe in rules? you not p- believe in standards? No, this is what I really believe in. I believe when Jesus came, he gave us the opportunity to do more than follow a list of rules. He gave us the opportunity to see him. And if I really see him, my worship is a response to see. So now everything I do in my life, it's not me forcing Dustin to do it. It's a response. When I'm not living right, my response needs to be, I need to see him again. When I'm not worshiping right, my response needs to be, I need to see him again. When I'm not giving right, when I'm not obeying right, when I'm not sacrificing, if any, anywhere in my Christian conduct I get out of line, it's not, I need to. I need to be disciplined, I got to get back in line, come on, get it together, I need to see him again. Many of you, maybe you're here and you've never really encountered him. Maybe you've known God all your life. I mean, you you, you can teach the Hebrew and the Greek, frontwards and backwards, but, but you've never seen him. And what I mean by seeing him is you've never really encountered him. There's never been this moment where your worship was a response to what you just saw. And I'm going to tell you, this is what God wants to do today is God wants to pull back the veil and allow you to see him again. Maybe for the first time, God wants you to see him again. Because your worship, your living for him, everything that you do will come naturally if you see him right. Thanks for listening. You can find out more about us at church1132.com.